y'all what is going on it's time for a new year's edition of never out of bounds of course this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts we have a few things to go over to today uh today uh, i'll be going over some nba action just some scores from last night uh nothing major to go over there we are going i will be talking uh, some college basketball as well i do have some news there some scores to go over there i'll be breaking down some conference standings just a little bit there as well um i also got some college football to go over some scores and some news there uh, I will be start. I will start breaking down uh, the college football playoff and the other main. I think the New Year's six balls that are coming up. Uh, basically, New Year's Day action. I will be previewing that at some point later on this weekend as well. Like I said, the college football playoff. Uh, as far as the NBA is concerned, in terms of future uh, coverage of that, of course, I want to get into the standings. So at the end of this week, I have my first ever look at the standings for this year. Uh, we'll go through that. Go through some teams there as well. Uh, but for today, like. Today, like I said, just some scores from last night. We are currently in the midst of some games right now as, you know, in terms of the NBA. Um, like I said, some college basketball, some NFL action. Oh, I got my power rank rankings for week 17. And then also I got another review for you guys. I said I wanted to get through uh, Jeezy's, Young Jeezy's Recession 2. I did that. So we got that ready for you guys. I got a little ranking, well, a little grade for you guys on the album. So uh, a bit to talk about, but. Like I said, let's get into it. Of course, we had some NBA action last night. Like I said, uh, we're going to start off in the Eastern Conference with the Nets getting it done against the Hawks, 145-141. to The Celtics get it done against the Grizzlies, 126-107. to The Heat get a win uh, to the Heat, sorry, excuse me, the Heat get a win against the Bucks, 119-108 to go to 500 on the year at 2-2. Two and two. The Bucks uh, fall to 2-3. and three. For the Bucks, they were led by Giannis. He had 26 points, 10 assists, and also 13 rebounds. Dante DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo had 15 points, 5 rebounds. Andrew Holiday had 13 points, 5 assists, and 4 rebounds. I'm pretty sure Giannis wanted way more help than this. I don't think he was expecting 2-3, and three, a 2-3 and three start, and Dante DiVincenzo putting up 15 points. But we'll see what the future the future brings for this team uh, you know, for the course of this season. Moving on to the Heat, uh, Goran Dragic would be the leading scorer. 26 points from him, 5 rebounds, and also 2 assists. Bam Adebayo would have 22 points, also 10 assists and 8 rebounds. And Avery Bradley had 16 points. Um you know, just for the Bucks, looks like well. Just to look at the stats, uh, just a quick, quick kind of synopsis of that game. Uh, the Bucks seem to shoot, struggled from shooting, uh, struggled shooting last night. Uh, Chris Middleton only had eight points. Um, a couple people only had like single digits in terms of points that you would be expecting to get at least twelve or whatever. I mean, no, Chris. I mean, Chris Middleton. He's the second in command of that team offensively, so you'd be expecting him to get about 20 points, but he only had about eight points last night. Uh, so shooting was just not there for the Bucks last night. And, um, yeah, I don't think this is a start that Giannis envisioned. This is definitely not a start that Giannis wanted. Uh, moving on to the Western Conference, uh, the Lakers get the best of the Spurs, 121-107. and uh, The Lakers move to 3-2. The Spurs are 500-2-2. and This game is significant because Becky Hammond uh, was the first woman to ever coach an NBA game. Yeah, they lost, uh, but I guess the history was made there. Um, I, you know, big up to her. I mean, man, I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm just not. I don't. I don't want to sound, you know, like a hater, but I'm not blown away by this. I feel like the NBA have been kind of gearing up for this for a while now, so I'm not necessarily blown away. But with that being said, congratulations to Becky Hammond. You coached the NBA game. That's what's up. 
and uh, welcome to the NBA. He got blown out. Uh, LeBron would have 26 points, 8 assists, and also 5 rebounds. Dennis Schroeder, uh, 21 points from him, 4 rebounds and 4 assists. He has been a good addition to the Lakers. I'm pretty sure they weren't, uh, you know, 100% on him necessarily. I heard some, you know, complaints about him after the first game. But I'm like, you know, you got to get some time in there. There's only They've only played 5 games together, but I mean... Shooter looks pretty damn good. I, I would, I would uh, say that he's an upgrade for Rondo. He might not be as good as a, sorry, as good as a defender. Uh, and he's not necessarily the playmaker that Rondo is, but he scores a good amount of points and he doesn't really give the ball over too much. So, I mean, he plays. I mean, for what it's worth. I mean, it's, it, he fits them well. I, I don't, I don't see what the issue is with him. AD would have twenty points, eight, uh, eight rebounds, and three assists. And uh, for the Spurs, Dejounte Murray would have twenty, uh, sorry, twenty-eight points, seven assists, and also seven rebounds. And Demar Derozan would have twenty-three points, six assists, and five rebounds. Uh, the Hornets get a win against the Mavericks, one eighteen to uh, ninety-nine. The Mavericks move down to one and three. The Hornets go to two and two. Uh, for the Hornets, Lamelo he finally had a game, 22 points, a decent game from him. 22 points, eight rebounds, and five assists. Miles Bridges would have 20 points, 16 uh, rebounds, and also two assists. And Terry Rozier, a decent game from him as well, 18 points, five rebounds, and three assists. Uh, for the Mavericks, Luka Doncic was out. I think Chris Stops is still out as well. Yep, he will be out. I think until the ninth. Uh, Tim Hardaway was leading the way in terms of scoring, 18 points and two rebounds. Jalen Brunson would have 16 points and four assists as well as four rebounds. Let's move on to some college basketball and uh, the big news coming out of the Pac-12. Uh, Arizona is going to be punishing itself, and it looks well. They're going to be giving themselves a postseason ban, and some NCAA punishments are still pending. The Arizona program is placing a one-year postseason ban on the men's basketball team. That means no conference tournament. That means no NCAA tournament, of course, for the championship. And these are four rules violations. Uh, and an M NCAA and an FBI joint investigation is still pending, uh, meaning their results are still pending and their, ver their judgment pretty much. Uh, they already have evidence of level one violations, uh, including an assistant, former assistant head coach, Emmanuel Richardson, accepting $20,000 worth of bribes to send kids to certain agents. Wow. Uh, he has also been suspended. Well, he also was, sorry, sentenced to three years in state prison. Arizona would also end up suspending and ultimately firing another assistant coach, Mark Phelps, for assorted rules violations. I think one of them having to do with a transcript uh, for Sharif O'Neal that we're talking about Shaq, one of Shaq's sons. I Maybe he forged it or something like that. I don't know the exact details of what happened with that uh, transcript, but it had to do with some type of academic, uh, you know, you say, uh, oh, what's the word? It's not the, It's not scamming. But um, it's fraud. Yeah, some type of fraud there, it looks like. Uh, now, the thing about these, uh, you know, these sanctions that these teams put on themselves. Uh, now, what happens is, now, while facing these sanctions from, you know, the NCAA, these D1 schools, uh, more notably in your big three sports, um, albeit mostly and really mostly basketball and football, baseball, I don't hear too many scandals. Uh, the scandals are kind of related just to certain players doing something or something, or rather, uh, but in terms of institutional kind of cheating and, you know, these type of scandals, normally it's in basketball and football, uh, more notably in football. Uh, we just seen recently with 
LSU with all the stuff that happened with OBJ and another booster there. And in terms of uh, basketball, you had a situation with Louisville where the coach, uh, I want to say his name was Rick Patino at the time. He was basically bringing in strippers and ho and I don't I don't want to say this the word hoes necessarily. That's too I guess it's too derogatory, but prostitutes uh, to the campus or to you know to hotels to recruit players. So again, for Arizona, it seems to be more of you know type of you know academic type of stuff uh meaning they'll obviously in the, in the case of it looks like mark phelps uh you know he was um manipulating some type of transcripts or forging them something like that or something like you know things of that nature and it looks in the terms of emmanuel richardson of course you know these schools are pretty much factories for pro teams so it kind of seems as though like again accepting these bribes uh kind of leading these kids to certain you know i guess maybe even nba teams so again there is these little you know situations that we have but these big time schools like i said division one schools what they'll try to do is they'll impose these self punishments and usually these self punishments usually just include postseason bans meaning oh we just won't play in this ball game if you're a football team oh we just won't play in the ncaa tournament if you're in basketball and again, oh, if we're a baseball team, which again is, is a little bit rare. You don't hear too many baseball teams getting in trouble, college baseball teams getting in trouble. But again, they won't play in their championship, you know, little tournament, which is called the World Series, the College World Series. And uh, this is mostly done in the midseason, basically when the team is having a boots, uh, you know, a garbage season. Uh, LSU recently imposed a, you know, a self ban, you know, self postseason ban on them after they went like three and five this year, they're like, Oh, we're not going to go to a ball game. You weren't going to go to a ball game. So, uh, basically this is done really as a cheap way to kind of lessen the punishments that the NCAA is going to lay on teams. And, uh, it usually ends up working in, in the cold part about it, because a, a lot of these schools have deep pockets. They have uh, great connections in terms of, you know, TV networks and all that. And it's a little bit unfortunate. This is why certain schools like SMU, uh, Southern Methodist University will get stuff like the death penalty, you know, happening to them in the 80s for pretty much the same things that, uh, you know, USC can get in trouble for and just have to give up a Heisman Trophy for maybe a couple wins for a season four. So um, and because all again, because USC is big time money, it's in the Pac-12, uh, it generates income, blah, 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 blah. And SMU being a smaller school in Texas and, you know, you know, and, well, and Dallas is a relatively big city, but again, that, you know, that fan base isn't as huge. It doesn't have a, a large television market, even in the eighties when they got in trouble. And again, it's just differences. And, uh, again, you know, having these abilities to do that, Oh, we'll just, you know, impose a self ban on our own and all this, um, what they think in a lot of cases, well, in some cases it does work, but in some cases the violations are just so egregious that it really doesn't work. With LSU's case, they're still going to strip them of, of uh, scholarships. I'm pretty sure, you know, with Arizona, it'll be the same thing uh, again. But again, that's just kind of what these big time schools do. And in some cases, I mean, it takes away some of it. Like, But again, they're, they're going to definitely lose athletes in this situation. They're going to definitely lose scholarship athletes, meaning they're not going to be able to get as much scholarships to, you know, you know recruit players. So they're going to feel a little bit of this. Um, you know, with a school like Arizona, I don't know how how much it's going to really affect them. I think this year is kind of is sucky for them because uh, they've been, you know, uh, a top-rated team. They've been, a, you know, they've been projected to win the Pac-10 possibly, 
uh, making a deep run into the NCAA tournament. So now without all that, it's just kind of a year that they're just playing. Who knows what happens with them next season because of the what the NCAA is going to do. So, it, I mean, it kind of affects the players, but at the same time, you know, it's the, it's the university kind of finding a ways to service themselves still. It's a weird situation. Uh, to say the least. But let's move on to some scores uh, from last night. We do have some action going on today. Of course, uh, we will be touching back in uh, with some college basketball at some point near the weekend or, of course, during the weekend. But anyways, uh, last night we had number two Baylor getting it on against Alcorn State. Easy win for them, uh, that being Baylor. 105-76 to was the final score there. For Baylor, they are still undefeated. They moved to 8-0. Uh, for Alcorn State, uh, they are still winless at 0-5. So not a really important win in the long in the long term for Baylor. But for the Bears, uh, they uh, sorry, for Alcorn State, they were led by Tyree Corbett. The forward had 24.7 rebounds. And also guard David Pierce would have 13 points coming off of the bench. Macy Oteague would have 18 points, 3 assists, and also 2 rebounds. Uh, for Baylor, guard Jared Butler would have 17 points and 3 assists. And forward Matthew Mayer would have 14 points and uh, 5 rebounds for the Baylor Bears. Moving on, uh, we got number 23, Virginia, getting it done against Notre Dame, 66-57. Virginia moves to 5-2. and two. Notre Dame moves to 3-5. and five. Didn't I tell y'all the other time I was talking, the other day when I was talking about Virginia, they need to score. They need to keep you under 60, and if they can score about above 65, they can get you in a win. That's how they got to win. Again, that's indicative here. Virginia barely anything to speak of offensively. I, I happen to see some highlights of that game. They just don't. They're just not a volume shooting team. Uh, what they end up doing is they play really good defensively, and they take away possessions, and they just make them on the other end. So they don't really score a whole lot of points. But I mean, they score. They score enough relatively to what they can do. Off, you know, defensively in terms of how they clamp you down. Uh, but for the Cavaliers, they were led by guard, uh, I think it's Kahai Clark, 19 points, 5 assists, and 3 rebounds. Forward Jay Huff would have 15 points and 5 rebounds. And forward Sam Hauser would have 13 points, 10, uh, 10 rebounds, and 4 assists. For Notre Dame, they were led by forward Nate Lazuski. Uh, he would have 28 points, 6 rebounds, and forward, sorry, Jawan Durham. He would have 19 points and seven, sorry, five rebounds. Uh, moving on, we got some Big Ten action here. Uh, Nebraska took on Ohio State, 20, number 25 Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State blew them out easily. Uh, 90 to 54 was the final score. Uh, Nebraska is now four and six, again, struggling. Um, yeah, they just struggle in football and bad. I don't know what the deal. Well, yeah, I don't think anybody really want. I don't know. I don't know what. The, ask the recruits. <laughs> ask the top recruits about how they want to play. About how they feel about Nebraska. That'll tell you a little bit of about why they struggle so much in basketball and football. It just seems to me that nobody wants to go there. It just. Oh man, they just get blown out. But anyways, nine to fifty-four. Uh, they're currently four and six. Ohio, sorry, Ohio State moves to eight and two. Uh, for Nebraska, they were led by guard Teddy, Teddy Allen, thirteen points, three rebounds, and two assists. Their ne next leading scorer, though, was Ford Lat Mayan. Sorry, Lat Mayan, seven points, two rebounds. Seven points, two rebounds from your next leading scorer. Difficulties. Ohio State, that's almost say. Ohio State was led by John, uh, sorry, Justin Aarons, 18 points from him. Ford Zed Key would have 14 points. And guard Dwayne Washington Jr. would have 13 points, three assists, and also uh, three rebounds. Uh, some takeaways from this game, like I said, terrible shooting from Nebraska. 17-60 uh, from the field, 
15% from three, 71% from the uh, free throw line. So they even struggled there a little bit. Uh, they only had three total assists and turned the ball over 15 times. So again, difficulties across the board for Nebraska. I don't know. You know, we'll have to. You know, at some point, if we if I get to it, we'll talk a little bit about why they're struggling so much. Uh, this program struggles in football and basketball. What is the deal? Like they had some bad juju or something. Bad luck. Uh, but let's move on to the Big Ten standings. We got Michigan here at 2-0, undefeated here. Uh, Michigan is uh, has a very important matchup, in my opinion, with Maryland coming up. Uh, they're getting deeper into the conference schedule. Maryland does have a top five win over number six, Wisconsin. Michigan is zero, uh, has zero wins versus the top 25. The Wolverines are second in field goal percentage in the Big Ten with 51%, and they score more than Maryland as well with 82 points per game compared to Maryland's uh, 74 points per game. Uh, Michigan actually does rank at the bottom of the conference in turnover margin, though, and they only make up about two more. They get they force two more turnovers. Actually, they give up two more turnovers than they force turnovers. Excuse me. So they're in the bottom of turnovers uh, there. Uh, Maryland has a shot at that, you know, to take advantage of that. But overall, I think I got Michigan favored in that game. I don't see why not. They shoot better. Uh, they shoot, you know, they score more points. Um, I think it might be able to go back and forth just because of Michigan giving up so many turnovers. But I think Michigan does play a little bit better defense uh, than Maryland as well. But let's move on to number two. We got uh, Illinois here. They are 3-1. and one. Northwestern is 3-1 and one as well. Rutgers is 3-1. and one. Uh, We have Iowa at 2-1. and one. Minnesota is 2-1. and one. We've talked about them. They score a lot of points. They look a lot. They look pretty good offensively. I don't know what they got defensively. We have to see deep, deeper into uh, the conference season. But we have uh, Wisconsin, like I said, 2-1. and one. Purdue is 2-2. Two and two. Uh, But their last game was a loss at Rutgers, 76-81. In that game, they were led by Ford, Travion Williams, and also guard uh, Isaiah Thompson. Uh, they would both have 21 points. Actually, sorry, Isaiah Thompson would have 17 points. Williams would have 21 points and 12 rebounds. The problem with them is they really struggled with shooting in that game. They were 7-26 from three, and they had a, a turnover ratio of 2-8. to eight. So they had two takeaways to eight turnovers. So not a really good look for them. They struggled in that game. Um, I don't know if that's going to be indicative of what happens, you know, throughout the rest of their Big Ten schedule. But again, that is an example. They are here at two and two. Uh, up next, you have Ohio State. Again, they're coming off a win. They seem to be a little bit better, at least offensively. They seem to be rolling. We'll see what happens to them as well. I believe they're on a winning streak. Uh, Indiana is here at one and two near near the bottom. Uh, we also have Maryland here at one and two. Uh, we also have Penn State here. Now we get into the winless teams here. Penn State, Nebraska, Michigan State are all winless in the Big Ten right now. So don't look for too much. I, again, Michigan State, you know, again, for those who are in the know about college basketball, Michigan, Michigan State is usually in the mix in the top 25. Uh, they may be in the mix this season at some point. Maybe they're just dealing with some injuries. I'm still kind of, you know, resetting. Everything's a reset for each season. So I'm still trying to, uh, trying to figure out the who's who. Uh, Michigan State is normally in the top 25. They're normally in the mix. This year, they're struggling. However, they're at 0-3. and three. They may have a chance at coming back. Penn State, Nebraska, no. I think uh, they're pretty much where they're at right now for a reason. All right, so that's a look at the, the Big Ten standings. I plan on going through the rest of the conferences as, you know, time goes on. Uh, just most, I try to do, I'm going to try to do them as, you know, top 25 games. I'm talking about the top 25 games just so I could kind of, 
have some have some time to talk about it. There's a lot going on. There's a lot more teams to talk about in college basketball as opposed to college football. There's like a hundred, just a hundred and something teams in college football. You got maybe three hundred, maybe yeah, almost three hundred teams in college basketball, if not more, that you gotta know about. Different conferences, smaller conferences, they all play each other. It's not like football where they got well. There, I mean, there's D1 in college basketball too, but a lot more. There's a lot more teams to cover. So again, days go by. We'll get to all these different conferences, but for right now, uh, Big Ten. I want to talk about them first because they have the most teams in the top 25. Uh, they had the most teams in action last night in terms of who was playing. So that's the first uh, conference I went through. But uh, to, to wrap everything up with some college basketball, we do have a uh, top 25 matchup. Uh, from the SEC, number seven, Tennessee got it done against Missouri. Uh, 73 to 63 was the final score in this one. Uh, actually, I think it was 53. Hold on. No, it was actually a complete domination by Tennessee. 70 to 53, final score. Uh, Tennessee moves to 8 0. Missouri is 6 1. For Tennessee, they were led by Santiago Vescovi. 15 points from him, three rebounds uh, from the guard spot. Ford Evie, this is the French name here. I- how y'all pronounce? Why do y'all pronounce it like this when there's an S here? French. Y'all got it, French folks. Y'all got to tell me this. Evie Pone, Evie Pones, six rebounds from him on 13 points. Guard G, uh, Jayton Springer had 13 points as well. Ford John Fulkerson had 11 points and six rebounds. So, again, good game from the Volunteers. For Missouri, uh, guard Xavier Pinson would have 11 points. And Ford Jeremiah Tillman would have nine points and four rebounds. Uh, story of the game, pretty much bad shooting from Mizzou. Uh, if you don't know what Mizzou is, Mizzou is just a colloquial term by all college people for Missouri or anybody who's into college sports. And, you know, of course, alumni from Missouri, of course. But Mizzou, that's just how they shorten it. 36% from the field from them, uh, 18, 18% from three, uh, 60% from the free throw line. They struggled everywhere. They couldn't put, they couldn't put shots in the, in the basket. That's the, that's the problem. Uh, Tennessee would also control the rebounds. Uh, they also had five blocks, so they played some pretty good defense as well, uh, getting eight steals, and just a sloppy game for Mizzou overall. 21 uh, total turnovers, and they also had 24 personal fouls. Again, that's not going to get it done. Uh, this was the first team that uh, Missouri played in the top 25. Not necessarily a good look. Uh, Missouri is definitely going to take a drop uh, in those rankings. Uh, as far as what to look out for uh, in terms of today's action, uh, we do have a matchup uh, in just about another hour, actually 30 minutes or so. Uh, Big 10 matchup, top 25 matchup, number 6 Wisconsin is going to be taking on number 21 Minnesota. Uh, we also, like I said, I did uh, talk about that Michigan and Maryland game. Uh, we had that's some more Big 10 action. And then finally, uh, the nightcap, uh, 7 o'clock game, we got number 21 Oregon taking on Kyle, so we got a, some back, some Pac-12 uh, matchups going on. Uh, if I'm not back tomorrow to talk about these games, uh, I will be trying to, I will be breaking down Saturday's action, um, and then we'll take another look at the conference standings as well. Uh, maybe take a look at the Pac-12, uh, the SEC. Uh, these, these, you know, the season is relatively early. Um, teams are just now starting to get into their conference schedule, so a lot of teams will only have played one game maybe two games max. Michigan has probably played the most games so far in the conference. About three. Everybody's played about three games. I'm not 100% sure about the Pac-12. So, uh, as like I said, time goes on. We're going to get more into this and, and get deeper. We're going to figure out who everybody is when it's all said and done. And you'll be able to, uh, hopefully, my goal is by the time we get to the NCAA tournament, 
know who's the who, know who's who, and maybe able to pick a pick a winner for yourself, and maybe find a favorite team for yourself. Who knows? I don't know. Um, but anyways, I'm gonna take a break, y'all. And when I get back, I'll be talking some NFL action. Uh, just my power eight power, uh, my power eight rankings, my power rankings for the week of uh, 17. I don't think any news to go over too much there, but oh, I got some college football to go over as well. So I'll be right back, y'all. talk about the NFL for a little bit. I got my power eight rankings, my eight best teams in the NFL. We're going to start off with number eight. I got the Buccaneers here. They are 10 and five. They're currently fifth in scoring in the NFL with 29 points per game. They're also 11th in total yards and they're also t- uh, second in passing. Uh, they're six in yards allowed this season. Uh, they're also se- uh, seventh in points allowed, uh, 21 points given up a game. They recently uh, clinched their playoff berth. Uh, they're looking to finish second in the NFC South. At number seven, we have the Ravens here, ten and five as well. The last game was a 23 to 17 game. Uh, sorry, 23 to 17 win over the Giants. They're currently second in the NFC in the AFC North. At number six, we have the Seahawks here, eleven and four. Uh, they recently clinched the NFC West by beating the Rams last Sunday. Over the past three, over the past, excuse me, six weeks, the defense has allowed just 13.7 points a game, which leads the league. Um, that's it. Uh, Jamal Adams, uh, he's pretty much sacking quarterbacks like crazy. I've never seen a member of the secondary do this, wreak that type of havoc before, at least in my lifetime. Um, again, I think he's leading the NFL in sacks right now from that position. I think he's also broken the record. Yep. With sacks in that position as well, uh, so look out for that 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 Seahawks secondary. I mean, um, they also got some uh, death there recently. Uh, they've also uh, signed a defensive lineman there, so they're looking to make that push. Uh, recently clinched the NFC West. Look out for the Seahawks at number six and number five. I had the Steelers here. Of course, they've dropped a few games. Uh, they, of course, they won one last week. Uh, they were able to clinch the AFC North. Uh, they're projected to be a second or third seed still within the playoff race, so that's good for them. Uh, despite their problems offensive, offensively, they're currently second in offense. Sorry, sorry overall defense, include uh, that you know in terms of yards allowed. They're also second against the pass, and they're also fourth against the rush. So they're a pretty good defensive team. Uh, their problem is going to be in the playoffs, being able to move the ball. Uh, they don't. They don't necessarily run the ball particularly well. They pass the ball okay. They just can't pass the ball down the field. Uh, so they really don't have a deep threat, and they really aren't um, balanced in terms of their in terms of their attack. So uh, those are some things holding them back. Although they have a really potent defense this year. At number four, we have the Saints. They are 11 and four. They are ninth in overall offense. Uh, they are sixth in the league in, in third down. If, Excuse me, third down efficiency. Uh, they convert about they convert their third downs about 44% of the time. Um, that's their big, their biggest thing going for them right now. Drew Brees has come back. Uh, he did not look particularly great last week. He had three interceptions. He did uh, eclipse the 80,000 yard mark. Uh, he also had 300 total yards, I think, passing. 
but not a not a great performance from him last Sunday. Um, I don't know what that means for them heading into this week and also subsequently into the playoffs. I would imagine they might even pull him from this game, uh, being that they, of course, clinched their division uh, within the last couple of weeks. They've also clinched a playoff spot, so uh, he might even sit this week. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, moving on to the Bills, they are number three. They are also 12-3. and three. Uh, They won a division for the first time in 25 years. We've talked about this. They are fourth in total offense, fourth in scoring, uh, almost 30 points a game. Josh Allen, in my opinion, is an MVP dark horse. Uh, they recently talked about uh, Aaron Rodgers kind of taking over the league. Uh, of course, right behind him would be Pat Mahomes on a lot of people's boards. But I like Josh Allen. Of course, uh, this year he has a 69% completion percentage, 34 touchdowns, and 9 interceptions. He's thrown for over uh, 4,000 yards at a quarterback rating of 81. And uh, another good asset that he has is his running ability. 418 rushing yards this year, and he also leads the team in rushing touchdowns with 8. You can't take that away from the man. Um, in my opinion, that's good enough to be, I mean, again, He's probably the team's leading scorer, if you're looking at it. Um, maybe next to the field goal kicker, possibly. Uh, but Josh Allen, uh, my pick, in my opinion, you know, definitely MVP dark horse. Moving on to number two, we have the Packers here. Uh, they've clinched the NFC North again. Uh, they do have some breakout performers. Uh, A.J. Dillon had a solid performance last week, over 100 yards. I think about three touchdowns on the, on the ground. Uh, Robert Tonyan at the tight end spot is a breakout starter this year as well for them. Uh, he's tied with Travis Kelsey for most touchdowns uh, by a tight end this season with 10. He just needs one more to tie the franchise record set in 1983. He's also the second tight end since Julian Thomas in 2014 to have a receiving touchdown in five straight games. So uh, the Packers seem to have it, you know, seem to be getting it done. Um, again, a lot of us, including my, myself, include, I will just say myself in this one, I gave it the Packers a hard time for drafting Jordan Love in the first round and not really using that pick to get somebody to go help out Aaron Rodgers, whether that be a running back or a receiver or a tight end. Uh, but it looks like they've uh, they've had those players the whole time, and they've, played, they've stayed pat with those players. Uh, they've trusted those players, and it looks like it's uh, paying off for them in a good way. Uh, moving on to number one, we have the Chiefs here. Uh, they are 14-1, and one, of course. Uh, for the Packers, they all just have two losses, so I that would put them at 13 and two, excuse me. But uh, for the for the Chiefs, they are 14 and one. Uh, they are first in overall offense, second in scoring, third in uh, converting on third down, 48 uh, percent conversion rates for them. So they stay on the field, they sustain drives. Uh, defenses cannot get the best of them. The only team that was able to get the best of them was, of course, the Raiders. That one game this year, and we already know what happened in the rematch. On defense, this team does have some issues still. Uh, they've given up 13 touchdowns and 41 red zone attempts this season. That's 78%. So that is last in the NFL. So you can score on this team, uh, if you, especially if you get into the end zone. They generate some pass uh, pass pressure. They generate some turnovers. But if you're able to get in the end zone, that seems to be their biggest uh, crux right now. And um, as long as you're a team that can move the ball very well, you probably have a chance against them. Who really knows until playoff time, but we'll figure that all out when we get there. Uh, let's move on to some college football. Uh, we're going to be breaking down some ball games real quick. And uh, yesterday we had, uh, yeah, um, this is the thing about these ball games. All these different companies, they want to sponsor things, and you get some weird names for the ball, for the games. Uh, this one, you got the Duke Mayo, the Duke Mayo Ball. I guess Duke is a Mayo company. They wanted to, you know, advertise a college football game. That's what we got. Sorry, guys. Not 
very unique of a name. But Wisconsin gets it done against Wake Forest, forty-two to twenty-eight. Uh, Wisconsin finishes the year at four and three. Was uh, sorry, Wake Forest moves to four and five for Wake Forest. Uh, they were led by quarterback Sam Hartman. He would go twenty of thirty-seven. Uh, for 318 yards, three touchdowns, but they had four interceptions. Christian Bill Smith would have 82 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Jakari Roberson would have eight catches for 131 yards and three touchdowns. Donovan Green would have six catches for 122 yards. And defensively, uh, the Demon Deacons were helped out by linebacker Ryan Smunda, 16 total tackles, and defensive back Nick Anderson. He would have eight total tackles and an interception. Wisconsin Graham Mertz would go 11 of 17 on the center for 130 yards. Uh, he would have a touchdown through the air, but he would have two on the ground. Uh, Garrett Groshek, the running back there, would have 41 rushing yards and a touchdown. Jalen Berger would have a rushing touchdown. And fullback Mason Stokey would have a rushing touchdown and uh, a receiving touchdown. Linebacker Jack, sorry, sorry, receiver Jack Dunn will be the leading receiver. Six receptions, 60 yards, and linebacker Jack Samborn will be the team's leading tackler. He would have 11 total tackles and an interception. And safety Scott Nelson would have five total tackles and an interception. Up next, we had the Cotton Ball Classic. Uh, number seven, Florida took a big-time loss to number six, uh, Oklahoma. 20-55 to is the final score here. Florida finishes at 8-4. and four. Uh Oklahoma finishes at 9-2. It all came uh, crashing down for Kyle Trask. Uh, he's definitely my favorite for the Heisman. I don't think he's going to get it now with this performance. 16-28 for him. Uh, sorry, 158 yards, three touch, three interceptions, excuse me, no touchdowns. Running back Emory Jones would have 60 rushing yards and a touchdown. Uh, Rod receiver, sorry, Rod receiver Jordan Pouncey will get a receiving touchdown. And defensive lineman Chris Boyle would have four total tackles and an interception. For Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler, he would go 14-23 for 247 yards. He would have three touchdowns through the air, one on the ground. Kamandre Stevenson would be the team's leading rusher. He would have 186 yards and a touchdown. Marcus Major, their backup back, would have 118 yards and a touchdown. Seth McGowan would be the leading receiver with three catches and 70 yards. And Christian Rambo, Theo Weiss, and also Marvin Mims would also have uh, receiving touchdowns. Uh, safety Patrick Fields would be the, the team's leading tackler. He would have seven. And linebacker Brian Asamoah would have, Asamoah the second, would have six total tackles and an interception. Uh, moving on, we got the Cheez-It ball. Yep, the Cheez-It. People wanted to have a ball game, too. Uh, Oklahoma State gets it done by three over Miami, number number 18 Miami. 37-34 uh, was the final score here, number 21. Uh, Oklahoma State finishes the year at 83. Uh, Miami finishes 8-3 and three as well. For uh, Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders, Spencer Sanders would lead the way 27-40 of 40 for 305 yards. He would throw four touchdown passes. But Darren Brown would have a, a rushing touchdown. Wide receiver Brennan Presley would have six catches for 118 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, safety Trey Sterling would have 13 total tackles. And linebacker Malcolm Rodriguez would have nine total tackles. For Miami, De'Ara King would go 10-13 for 113 yards. He would throw a touchdown. Now, he would suffer in a torn ACL in the second quarter. Uh, as far as I know, he's going to have his surgery. Uh, but he will be ready uh, by the time the, uh, the season the next season is upon us, so the 2021 season is, is upon us. And it looks as though he's going to stay at Miami for one more year. So Tate Martell, I don't know what the hell you're going to do. Uh, in Cosa Perry, uh, in Cosi Perry, 
would get some uh, playing time going 19 to 34 for 228 yards. He would have two touchdowns. Cameron Harris, the, lead, the team's leading rusher, with 52 yards and a touchdown. Wide receiver Brevin Jordan would have eight catches for 96 yards and two touchdowns. Mike Hurley would have a receiving touchdown. And um, linebacker uh, Bradley Jennings Jr. and defensive lineman uh, Jafari Harvey will both have sacks on the defensive end. Uh, moving on, we got the Alamo ball. We're going to wrap everything up here for the, the game coverage. Um, we have uh, number 20, Texas, getting it done against Colorado. 55-23 to 23 was the final score uh, for number 20, Texas. Uh, they, finished its, they finished the year at 7-3 for Colorado. They finished at 4-2 for Texas. Sam Ellinger uh, was pretty decent in his last game. He would suffer, suffer a shoulder sprain. He would go 10-16 for 160 yards. He would have a touchdown. Casey Thompson came in to relieve him, uh, going 8-10 of 10 for 170 yards, but he would have four touchdowns. But John Robinson would be the team's leading rusher. He'd have 103 yards on the ground and a touchdown. He would have two receiving touchdowns. Roshan Johnson would have a rushing touchdown. Uh, wide receiver Joshua Moore would have five catches for 86 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Kelvante Dixon would have a 73-yard receiving touchdown. Um, defense, uh, defensive back Jaron Thompson would have six total tackles. And linebacker, uh, sorry, Mavrion Overshawn would have six total tackles and an interception. For Colorado, a terrible game from Sam Neuer. I'm just going to say it like it is. 8-23. 101 yards, two interceptions. Jack Broussard will be the team's leading. Sorry, Jarek Broussard will be the team's leading rusher. He would have 80 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Quarterback Brandon Lewis would have 73 yards on the ground and a touchdown. He would be the backup uh, coming in for Sam Neuer. He didn't do that much better as well. That much better either. That being Lewis uh, in terms of passing, but like I said, he had 73, 73 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Dimitri Stanley would be the team's leading receiver. He would have four catches and 86 yards. Isaiah Lewis uh, would be the team's leading tackler with eight. And linebacker Carson Wells would have six total tackles and two sacks. All right, y'all, we have a little bit of news to go over for college football. Uh, we have a new name entering the draft. Uh, Iowa defensive tackle Davion Nixon uh, will be entering this year's draft. Uh, he is the Big Ten's defensive player of the league. He also led the conference in tackles for loss with 33. He tied for the league in sacks with his teammate at the defensive end spot. I don't know his name or at the top of my head right now. Sorry, guys. But he would have five and a half sacks like last, uh, well, this season. And uh, he also led defensive linemen in the Big Ten with tackles, with total tackles with 41. Uh, he is a finalist for the Outland Trophy, uh, and that is the award. That is an award for the best interior lineman. So on the offensive, it's for both sides of the offensive, uh, both sides of the line, offensive lineman, defensive lineman. Uh, but interior uh, means uh, for the offensive line, it would be like a guard or a center, and for the defensive lineman, it would be nose tackles and stuff like that. Uh, he's also a finalist for the Bronco Nagurski Award. That is for the best defensive player, and since he's now entering the draft he has been ranked as a number 10 best prospect by Mel Kuyper Jr. So um, whoever is going to get him uh, is likely to get him around the number well it's projected to probably be around the number 10 spot maybe a couple spots below there uh, definitely a first round pick Good. I mean as far as the numbers are, are coming out to me I, as far as from what I see from his stats definitely a, worth the first, first round pick I haven't seen him too much um, film from him yet. I, I don't follow Iowa football necessarily, uh, but 
I mean, if Mel Kuyper Jr., uh, he is the main uh, source when it comes to him and Todd McShay are some of your big sources when it comes to drafting and profiles. So if they're highly rated on, if they, he's highly rated on him, I would more likely back that up. They're not 100%. Drafting is not, I mean, you know, scouting for the draft is not 100% science. It's more of an art. But again, um, more times than not, if he's, if he's, you know, highly reflected in these draft reports, then he's more likely going to be a, a pretty decent prospect regardless. Uh, so good luck to Davian Mixon. Um, good luck to his family. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure Iowa has thanked you for what you've done for them. Um, but good luck to you and your future endeavors, bro. Uh, moving on, uh, we have some more shout-outs to give. This is to the AP Player of the Year, Devontae Smith, uh, wide receiver at Alabama. Uh, he's the first wide receiver to win the award. He is the school record holder, of course, at Alabama for receiving yards in a career over 3,620. Uh, he also has uh, the team record for touchdowns career touchdowns at 40 he also just needs 14 more catches for the career record for receptions he's also the seal uh, he also has a single game record for receptions in a game at 15 and he also has receiving the uh, receiving yards record in a game for 274 and receiving t and touchdowns at five uh, he's also a heisman finalist uh, which leads me into the perfect segue um, into my well into the official heisman finalist now um, pretty much your finalists um, in this year's running, of course, we've already talked about Devontae Smith, Smith, excuse me, but you also got Mac Jones, his teammate at Alabama. You also got quarterback Trevor Lawrence out there at Clemson and quarterback Kyle Trask. They're all been named uh, Heisman, sorry, finalists for the Heisman Trophy. Of course, the Heisman Trophy is pretty much the best player in all the college football for that season, basically the MVP. And the winner will be announced uh, January the 5th. Uh, for Smith, we broke him down a little bit, uh, but so a little bit more about him. He did lead the nation in receptions with 98. Uh, this season, he had 1,511 yards and 17 receiving touchdowns. He will be the first non-quarterback to win the award since Derrick Henry back in 2015. And he'll be the last wide receiver. Well, he'll be the, also the first wide receiver to win uh, since Desmond Howard 30 years ago. Now, Desmond Howard, for those of you who don't know, do not know, uh, old school uh, Michigan uh, standout wide receiver, defensive back kind of punt return to kind of jack of all trades type of player but he was a Heisman finalist back in the 90s uh, actually won it back in the 90s um, and for those of you who are into college football video games he is of course on the cover of uh, NCAA football 2006 so there you go a little bit of trivia for you uh, now Smith's teammate of course Mac Jones has started in was started in four games last season uh, in relief for Tua uh, and he would also get the start in the Citrus Bowl, which was a win over Michigan. He would end up beating out five-star recruit Bryce Young for the starting spot this year. And this season has thrown for 3,739 yards, also 32 touchdowns, and four interceptions. And back, Nigel Harris also made it to the top five. He's not in the t I don't think he'll be in the, like the final. He didn't make the final cut, but he's definitely in the top five. Uh, this would make Alabama the first team since Army to have three players in the top five of Heisman voting since Army in 1946. Damn, long time ago. Uh, up next, we got Trevor Lawrence, of course, out there from Clemson. He's 34 and one as a starter. Uh, he is a set. He is a sorry. He is the second Heisman finalist from the program. The first being Deshaun Watson. We already know what he's doing in the league, despite being on that trash team in Houston. Free Deshaun Watson. Free Deshaun Watson. 
damn, he's in a sucky situation. But anyways, for Trevor Lawrence, as for Trevor Lawrence, he would spend some of his time on the sideline this season due to some COVID issues, uh, but he was instrumental in the ACC title uh, game. Of course, that being a rematch against Notre Dame, 34-10 blowout. Uh, he would have 412 yards of total offense, and he also had three touchdowns in that game. Um, he also has 29 total touchdowns um, in terms of um, – the year 29 total touchdowns on the ground and in through the air um in just 11 games this season for Kyle Trask he set the school record for pass touchdowns passing touchdowns at 43 he also leads the lead uh leads the leads the nation excuse me uh in passing yards per game at 375 he also set a school record for four passing touchdowns in a game uh he also has um set the school record for passing yards in the season uh for 4125 and uh, he also had five games uh, with 400 yards plus this uh, this season. So, again, um, I don't necessarily like how he looked last night. And I think that might knock him out a little bit. Um, if I were to pick a, pick somebody right now, I would go with Devontae Smith. He's already picked up the AP trophy, the AP Player of the Year trophy. Such a phenomenal season. Um, I think Mac will get a lot of love, but Mac is the, a lot of Mac's love is because he was throwing to Devontae Smith. So I got Devontae Smith, uh, the wide receiver, pulling it out. Um, again, big up to all these guys who's performing at a very high level despite what's going on this year. Uh, you know, big up to these guys performing and living out their dreams. That's what we're all trying to do. So I'm going to be giving up some positivity to those guys. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, Kyle Trask, also uh, Devontae Adams, sorry, Devontae uh, Devontae Smith and Mac Jones. So congratulations to those guys. Positive vibes to those guys. Um, good luck to all you guys. I'm going to take my last break. And when I come back, I'll be breaking down Young Jesus' newest album, Recession 2. And uh, yeah, let's do it. All right, y'all. came out in November. I recently listened to this actually this morning, a little bit last night, and my grade for this album has just shifted so much from the beginning now. Um, but let's break down what's all in it, and uh, let's kind of. And there's also uh, another thing that I'm using for this is also he recently just put out a well, I don't know if it was just how recent it was, but he's in People magazine recently talking about the album, and uh, he has some quotes to share about it. You know, in my opinion, how you relate to the album. But let's go on and get into it. Um, this one, as it kind of pertains to, is, you know, on the surface, it kind of talks about, you know, what's going on. Um, I think he um, he does a decent job of, of capturing what's going on with the first title track, Lord, in my opinion. Um, 
I'm gonna stick with it when it comes to lyrics and okay all right it's look I think he you know just like with the last album I reviewed with you know Buster Rhymes like you know they you know come out the box and I, I'm guessing they, they you know they're real they're red they're red about these situations that well I wouldn't say they're real red per se but they know about what's going on they seem to have an idea about what's going on in the world and I'm not gonna take that away from them um, but sometimes I feel like well I just talk about this first song oh Lord um, it's kind of just talking about the situation right now he mentions George Floyd he mentioned Beyonce Taylor RIP those guys right there and it kind of just breaks down the situation for black folk and kind of how there is, you know, systematic racism. And uh, the the track itself was cool. It, it's a it's a you know it's it's it's, it's a definitely a way to kind of set the mood. Um, now one bar that I will give some heart some some trouble for is you know I'm a, I'm a history person when it comes to this, so I'm just gonna do it. Um, this bar here, you got 50, 40 million unpaid. What the fuck is going on? Let's burn this bitch down. We'll build it like it's Rome. Okay, dog. Um, in Rome, blacks were subjugated. Rome was a was a power establishment, you know, similar in many ways to what we have here. And my big question, you know, when I listen to the CD and I listen to, well, I don't have the physical CD, but, you know, when I listen to the album, same thing with Buster Rhymes' album. And I'm listening to some some of these rap guys, you know, they want to be conscious now. Or every now and again, they have, you know, they want to, you know, kind of mention that they can become, you know, conscious or that they got more uh, more on their mind. And uh, to the people that, you know, listen to this type of stuff, they route to, to, this, to this. And they listen to, you know, some of these bars. My question for you is, what do you see our revolution, especially for the, the black folk? Like, what do, you, what do you, when you look at revolution... What are you looking for? What do you What do you expect that to look like? You know, and um, I feel like in this first track, he did a good job of kind of explaining what's going on in the world. Um, again, kind of laying out what we're facing. There's a couple of songs that I will get into that are kind of like that. Uh, but he seems to kind of mix it up because then he goes into the very next track. He's trapping. Here we go. He's talking about how he's trapping, how he got this and that. Um. We, and maybe again, I gotta look at it because again, this is his this is his main thing about this album. He goes on to say, uh, this album is basically you know for strong black men, or you know, you know, written for that, or you know, kind of in in you know in that memory. And you know, I feel like Jeezy is a strong black man, and I feel like this album is a representation of what he feels that is. Uh, with that being said, there's way more to it than just being in the trap. There's way more to us than, you know, popping rubber bands. And I feel like we want to put this culturally, you know, sensitive stuff in there while at the same time we want to put, you know, let's, we want to we want to mix it up and put in, you know, the popping bottles and I was in the trap, I'm promoting this, I'm promoting what goes on in there. Let's be real here, like, you know, and then also, I don't want to get too far away but let me just let me just break down some more songs. Okay, let me just break down some more songs. Up next track three, you have Modern Day, which is again kind of like, you know, he's trying to tell us, you know, there's some issues with black folk. White folk establishment is trying to be it's racist. They're holding us down. He just turns it around and goes right back to I'm trapping again. And this next track with Yo Gotti called back. And it's like you can't have it both ways. Because what we don't what we need to understand is for one, you know, 
that that mentality is part of what I don't want to say. I don't want to just say it like that. Part of that mentality is holding us back in ways. You know, we can't sit there and say, yeah, we got to be against the stodgy and they want to trap at the same time. I don't get how it works like that. The next track, uh, The Ghetto featuring E-40, I really like this track because it's E-40. Hot dogs and hot dogs, pork and beans, hot water, cold and mustard greens. Y'all already know the verse. That's probably one of my favorite verses of his in a while. Um, E40 just knows how to just do a good collab with certain artists and certain beats. Um, really good beat for both of those guys, by the way. Next track, niggas, is, is just him talking about other niggas. And again, he talks about how they out to get him, how they out to do each other, but nothing about how we should come together and, and, and not do that. Another thing that I did get from parts of this album, I'm just going to just say it like it is. I get a little hint of classism, bro. Um, it's easy for us, it's easy for the rich black folk to say, and it's almost weird because it's like, they'll tell us, yeah, there's a... There's a there's a there's a system out there that get us. There's a you know there's white supremacy, and then at the same time, you know, act like poor black people or broke black people are some type of you know. And there's this and there's this whole thing, and it's not just this album, but it's this whole movement in general. We're calling out broke people and shunning them and and, and making fun of these people. Let's keep it real. In a lot of these cases, especially in the environment that Jeezy's coming from, a lot of the people ain't making out of that situation um, unless they selling dope or somehow an athlete. He knows that he was one of the people that sold dope to get his rap career. But let's keep this shit real, right? Ain't that what he telling you that he didn't do it? Okay, so unless we got that that blessing of not having to go to jail for any extensive amount of time because we got caught up in the dope game, it's very hard for us to navigate just through a nine to five, just by being able to educate ourselves. And it's too much of a I see too much of a of a of a of a movement nowadays to shit on people who ain't got it like that. Again, I've been there, done that, and I've been what you could call somewhat of a slacker. And even me, just being like that for a moment in time in my life, even. I held down jobs. Even I had money in my pocket. So all this, so all this bringing down others. Like I think there's there's a very small percentage of this of this population that's that's out there kind of struggling that really want to just not have anything. I've, there's very few motherfuckers that just want to just get up and I'm sorry. A lot of these people, I've been there. I've seen these struggles. I've seen these homeless people. So it's really hard. What are we really getting? Are we getting at the people that don't got it like that in general, that are struggling every day? Or are we just are we getting at people that don't want to do nothing? No, it's, and then we wrong. There's people that are like that. Okay, but for the most part, there's people struggling. There's people waking up every morning, going out, working every day. They ain't got it like that. There's people that that are living below the poverty line. Are we making fun of these people? Are we count? Are we are we throwing these people under the bus because it makes us feel good? And it's like, and it's like at the same time, it's like these people, these these rich black rappers and all that, they want they want us to know about this racism, and they want us to be cognizant of that. But at the same time, it's like they, in terms of the, the financial situations, since they made it, since they got money, they want to almost tell us and try to convince us that almost this property is in our like, oh, like these niggas broke just because they want to be broke, and at the same time, they're trying to convince us that there's some racism. There is, but. To me, the message kind of gets complicated at certain times. Uh, one track that I thought was really interesting that I thought was cool was Death of Me. Um, this one is uh, kind of a experience, like a reflection track. Uh, I'm talking about a, a, a past.
past lover or a current lover that you're dealing with, but it's some drama with that. It's some it's an intense relationship. Um, it's crazy. It's one of those relationships that you know you know could get you caught up in some shit, but you really like her. Toxic. I don't, I don't. I mean, I don't like toxic relationships, but it's a, it's a good song to kind of tell you what they're all about. Up next, you got Simmons Check. Again, Young Jeezy is trying to you know ingratiate himself with the masses, although he's been a millionaire for a while now. Yeah, uh, my reputation. The song with Demi Lovato. I hated her on this track. I don't like her as a singer. Uh, whatever. You got Neo on the next track. I like this track here, The Glory. Um, I thought this track was solid. The beat was really cool, laid back. You had that '70s flow in there. Um, those samples. I liked it. That's a song I can ride around to. Uh, Live and Die was basically like a, 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 a you know, a homage to Atlanta. You know, in the in the vein of To Live and Die in LA by Tupac. Uh, decent track there. Another good song. Uh, decent song here. Another song that I really liked was Praying Right. Um, this one, you know, he's kind of questioning what, you know, what you, what are you looking for? What, is, what is your, you know, your true desires? And I get it because I've never prayed for money. I've never prayed for, you know, material things. I've always meditated. For me, I've always um, gone into meditation for things like focus. I've, I've always, um, you know, prayed to get through the obstacles in my life mentally emotionally i prayed for better emotions and, and better you know for like you know f- you know for example you know i've i've been through breakups this year instead of you know praying and they say get over somebody or anything like that but just to kind of you know ease the ease your way through that ease the heart ease the, the negativity to get out of the negativity so i get questioning uh what you're praying for i get uh understanding you know that and i think there's certain songs like like this like this one and also therapy for my soul where it gets very reflective and these songs i really like because i feel like they're really genuine and again this is his true representation of what he thinks it's like to be a black man because it's different for everybody and i think you know we try to put this this uh, we will say that oh it's all good um you know for us and all that but i think in terms of our media and our mainstream it's the same type of almost the same type of stereotype that we see kind of get promoted and i'm just saying you know there's more to it than that and this is definitely a good reflection of what he sees uh but there's more to it in our society in all just our um existence than what he's talking about here uh another another deep track here is almighty black dollar featuring rick ross i actually thought uh jeezy's verse was really it was really um interesting he called out some of these uh corporations uh like uh gucci and all the designers and stuff like that kind of called out our lust for it um and i get it um he definitely had something to say in his verse rick ross's verse was a little bit all over the place he wanted to talk about black power but how he shoots up other brothers again some paradoxes here so i'm you know i'm calling them out as i see them uh, the album itself finishes off on the track called The Kingdom. Again, a little bit of a smooth, laid-back 70s track. Uh, really calm, something you can ride around to. Um, overall, um, this album had a really, really uh, great sound. Uh, of course, we, uh, you know, in terms of his production, he had Don Cannon on here, Justice League, uh, DJ, uh, I think that's uh, Montroy. He was on the Ghetto song, uh, the Ghetto track, which I really like. Um, and again, he had a decent amount of producers on here. A lot, like I said, a lot of work from Justice League and also Don Cannon, especially in the first half of the album. The album almost seems to have two different sounds, uh, you know, between the first half and the second half. Uh, but overall, I mean, it, it was it was decent for what it was. Again, he, he, you know, for Jeezy, uh, he says it's, uh, he also describes it as a celebration um, of anybody getting out to vote. I don't necessarily see that within every track. Um, I see some of that reflected in songs like um, Oh Lord. Um, 
it's kind of there and similar shit, but I can't say that that's in every song. Um, he also, like I said, he says this is, you know, an example of a strong black man. I think that's his example of what he sees and um, nothing to take away from that. Uh, but there's so much more, and I think there's so much more to our existence uh, that we kind of miss out on when we listen to, to mainstream stuff like this. And um, I think we need to bridge that gap at some point um, in the future. Uh, because again, it's, and, and again, this whole, you know, calling out a broken one and, and, and disparaging broke people, man, the way this economy could change, all y'all, all of us could end up in a very bad situation. So let's not, let's not get into, you know, be beating down people because of that because of status let's not really get into uh over hyping that uh because even in in our scriptures even in the christian scripture i'm not a christian but i'm well aware about what it says about wealth and extreme wealth and greed because they associate wealth uh extreme amounts of wealth with greed in your bible in your christian bible so uh look out for that and i'm pretty sure in all different types of religions so it's not just in the christian world but that's just the biggest example i can think of right now so uh let's not get caught up on status and trying to put people down and again i just wanted to call out something that i that i that i kind of see overall the album was good i just again i didn't want to cite classism with the constant calling out of broke people broke niggas and all that again if he wants to be that way if he just is stank like that that's his that's his prerogative whatever you keep it pushing but uh there's millions of people out here really struggling to get by and they're actually working uh to, to, to you know in order to do that and it just it, it's not it's not easy at the moment and it's, it takes a process for a lot of people for me uh it's definitely taking a process so i you know and it, and it, and it kind of rubs me the wrong way yeah because you know it's it's the people that are nine to fivers that are buying this these albums and listening to this music so y'all gotta think about that think about that um you know and, and overall uh, as far as great i'll give this album i'm gonna give it a, a good eight um the production was good again there was a slight little classism and little bit of inconsistencies with the themes uh but i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it an eight i really like the production of it uh the songs you know he tried his best to kind of give it to us from his perspective so i'm gonna give him all that especially the, the i give him a lot of props for praying right uh modern day was a good attempt to kind of describe to us what's going on so it's a lord uh similar check again uh, again trying to you know say hey i heard about this on the news this is on the news like this going on and all that he's trying to tell us in his way what's going on so i'm not going to be too critical about all that because again he has to talk about it from his perspective but again what i will say is uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh talk you know in our mainstream in our community um about you know we're calling out the establishment that's all felt fine and dandy um, I think it's great to call out certain things and say this, but I think the next step we're going to have to start doing is, is actually planning and strategizing on how we're going to combat this. And it shouldn't just be about calling out the racist systems. It should be about going at them seriously about what our plans are. And maybe it might not be here on Jeezy's record. It might not, Jeezy might not be the guy to, to, to pinpoint that. That's fine. We have different, again, that's why we have different groups of who we are, groups and groups of black folk. They're going to, I mean, we're gonna all have to kind of step up to this plate and try to be more proactive okay i hear still hearing establishment this establishment did this and they turn around and say well trap i'm still trapping though we still a part of it affected by this trap shit but this is that we don't have to let go in order to, to progress and do what we're gonna get all right y'all i'm gonna call it a wrap for today um, i hope you guys got the gist of what i'm trying to say here um 
comments under this review. Uh, but if you are looking to get in touch with me, you can follow me on Instagram at ljamal791, E-L-J-A-M-A-H-791-791. Um, you can also hit me up on my Facebook as well. I have a uh, page you can follow there for the show, Never Out of Bounds. Uh, and then also check out the YouTube as well. I got some new videos up there. I am working on a new uh, special report for this weekend. Uh, so take a look out for that. I'll be letting you guys know when that drops. All right, y'all. Uh, if anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. And I'll let you guys later.